1: There are some definite locks amongst the infielders on the Reds roster. The spots they'll play, though, that might not be as certain as you might think. We'll discuss who stays, who goes, and where they'll play on today's Locked on Reds. Hit it.
0: You are Locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team into information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms on today's episode. We started yesterday looking at some players that have staying power. Some guys who played last season that will be here again next season. We kind of give you our confidence levels in each guy. We looked at the outfield. Now we're going to look at the infield and who is going to be here. Kind of like what Steve said is easier than figuring out where they're going to be when they're here, because. Uh, Nick crawl said some things that lead us to believe that Steve, not necessarily intuitive as to where each guy is going to play next season.
1: Well, and, and let's, let's asterisk this thing with the fact that sometimes I wonder if Nick crawl even knows where he is when he's talking to the reporters, <laughs> but, but no, I think, I think that Nick said more than he meant to when he gave this Quote, but I think it was a, a telling look into how the Reds front office is kind of viewing the lens of 2023. And, you know, what he said was he didn't say he what he what he didn't say was guys aren't going to be on this roster. What he did say was that guys don't have a position guaranteed. And I don't believe that that, I don't think those two things mean the same thing. I think what he was telling us is there are going to be guys that are asked to play different spots or in the case of uh, the conversation we had about Nick Senzel in yesterday's episode, maybe asked to play all of the positions and be the super utility that we have felt this team needs moving forward. So I really think that's what Nick was saying, and I'm not sure that he meant to say
0: it publicly so soon. Well, and I I I always think that you know it's not not necessarily sarcasm, but even like thoughts and secrets that you're trying to keep from people have ways of like getting out into the public, and I think that this was just one of those things. And I think it's two. There's two players in particular that I'm thinking of with this. For one player. I think both you and I agree it's a good thing for another player. It's going to be interesting, but let's start with a good thing because we're going to start with Tyler Stevenson. We're going to start with a guy who it's a hundred percent. He's going to be on the roster next year. He's going to be back healthy. He's going to be ready to play. But I think this is foreshadowing this quote from Nick crawl, because we've been talking about, and it was a huge subject last year that through all the freak injuries that he kept suffering behind the plate, they need to move him out from behind the plate they need to move him to first base have him dh a little bit because you can't not have his bat in the lineup you got to make sure he plays and i think that this quote is foreshadowing maybe not a necessarily like rip the band-aid off and just move him to first base but they're going to mix that in we're going to see tyler stevenson a lot more at first base this coming year
1: you know we'll we'll dig into this a little bit when we talk about joey here coming up but i think you're absolutely right uh, because I feel like Joey's probably entering the platoon phase of his career. I think we're going to see that more with Joey as much as Joey doesn't like it. Uh, right. And, and you, you're going to need a right-handed bat to play first base. I think it that Tyler Stevenson just naturally lends himself to that. And, you know, I have been bashed and bashed and bashed all last season when i said move him move him to first base and everybody's no he's not going to make as much money he's not going to like it he's like i don't care i don't care what he likes he needs to be healthy and he needs to be in the lineup now look if he can play catcher 30 percent of the time and stay healthy that still basically qualifies him as a catcher fine cool he still gets paid he's valuable behind the plate he works great with this pitching staff Nice. Then you take 30% of the time and you move him down there and you're platooning him with Joey Votto. Great. You keep his bat in the lineup. He's learning uh, on the fly to become a good first baseman and play that position. And then the rest of his at-bats, you use the DH spot where you keep his bat in the lineup, but you're resting his legs. He's not doing anything but hitting. I think that's the perfect use of Tyler Stevenson. I think you keep him in the lineup for a majority of the games. You get 150 games out of a catcher that just can mash And at the same time, you know, you get other players slotted in. Everybody gets an opportunity. You play the analytics. You put people in the best position to be successful. And I think it all starts right there with Tyler Stevenson.
0: I think the biggest thing that I think about in the whole debate of do you move him out from behind the plate is what do you think caused his injuries? Is he injury prone? No, he's unlucky. Some of those injuries, including the broken clavicle that ended his season, he was hit on the pad like the pad was designed to absorb that contact and yet that was such a hard hit foul ball that there's literally nothing Tyler Stevenson could have done.
1: Right. And, and
0: old- but, but but you're right. Hang on
1: there. Hold that thought because yes, he was unlucky. This is true. But the fact that he was behind the plate in the first place, that's what is, is really the, what the conversation is about because Whether he's unlucky or not, if you're in agreement and if if the Reds front office is in agreement with me and I think with you that Tyler Stevenson's bat is the biggest bopper bat in this lineup right now, you protect that asset. And by by moving him out from behind the plate, you're protecting that asset. Now, unlucky or not, he doesn't break his clavicle playing first base, probably. Unlucky or not, he doesn't break his clavicle batting, probably. Probably. You know, I mean, if, if you're in a right. sport that, that is playing the percentages, always now the percentages say you limit his exposure by moving him someplace else. And I yes. think, I think that's the mindset. Everybody is struggling to really wrap their heads around uh, when talking about moving Tyler Stevenson. Cause I get it. I get the attractiveness, especially in Cincinnati of having a catcher who can mash uh, right. there's a rich history of catchers that mash. So I get it. But in the long run, I, I think you have to protect that bat. Sorry. I cut you off, but I mean, no, no, it's no. Just-
0: but that's what I was getting at is that, you know, the whole name of the game is make the roster that will win the most games. And the roster that wins the most games is a Tyler Stevenson led roster. And if he's not healthy, you're not gonna win as many games. It's it's just plain and simple. You gotta keep him healthy. That's how you do it. Now, the other guy that's probably going to, I I, I wouldn't say probably, but I think they're going to explore this, move positions that I'm interested about. And I think we're gonna debate this a lot this off season because I've seen this in a couple of different spots. Do you move Jonathan India to third base? Because again, this is a guy who is 100% gonna be on this roster. I don't know that it's 100% that he plays second base. So, I
1: agree. Um, yes, you move Jonathan India from second base. And I'll get into all the reasons why in a second. But I'm not sure third base is the answer. I think he's going to see a lot of time as DH, personally. Okay. Because I think what's happening is, as as Nick Kral has said in uh, multiple places, uh, the idea is to develop these prospects up to the major league level as quickly as possible. You know, the youngsters are coming and I think that what's going to happen is there's too many youngsters that play infield and not enough spots. So one of the infielders is going to have to spend a majority of the time at designated hitter. And I mean, quite honestly, there's some better gloves coming up than what Jonathan India has shown at second base. So yes, you move him off of second base. Now your question about third place, I I think solely lands on where is Ellie De La Cruz? Because mm. if if he's up and playing shortstop and Kyle Farmer is still on this team, Kyle Farmer is going to be your third baseman against left-handed pitching. It's just the way that it's going to be. So Jonathan India has to be the designated hitter in that situation.
0: Yeah, and, and the reason that we're talking about this, and there's so many different statistics that talk about fielding that – you know, honing in on one statistic doesn't show you the whole picture, but outs above average shows you a good amount of the picture. Last year, when he was rookie of the year, his outs above average at second base, minus seven. Now, zero is replacement level. Zero is league average where, you know, whatever. Most of your guys are going to do that. He was seven outs below average. This past year, when he didn't play as much, he was minus nine. He played less games and somehow was a worse fielder than he was in a year. He played more games, something about, I I don't know if it's, you know, reaction time his range, whatever it is. When you hone in on Jonathan India, the fielder, it just doesn't work at second base. And and let's
1: remember that he played a majority of this season with one kind of busted wheel or another, whether it That's was the hamstring That's or the, the calf injury or the shin injury from that, um, that hit by a pitch in the field of dreams game. He right. he was playing on a bum leg for a majority of the season. And part of that was that the reds roster was just such a mess that they, they didn't have really very many other viable options. And the other piece of that is, is, you know, <laughs> Jonathan India is a gamer, yeah. so he's going to be out there and he's going to play and you're going to have to pry him off the field, you know, over his, dead body kind of thing. But that's exactly what the Reds are going to need to do. I think, Um, you know, Jonathan India took a step back this year, whether for whatever reason you want to cite around it, whether it was the injuries, whether it was just a sophomore slump, whatever you want to say, he took a step backwards. And in 2023, he's going to have to really deliver in a third, his third season to, to earn a spot full time. But I, I really do think that the way the, the cards are kind of shaping out his best bet is to play a lot of time at dh you know slot him in in strategic ways in the field and kind of see what happens i bet i bet you with him at playing a majority of time at dh he has a much healthier year and he's much more productive because he's most of his injuries come from his just all-out hustle you know and if you can eliminate some of the fielding stuff i think he can just focus in on that hitting and be valuable 100%
0: and you know there's some other guys on this roster that I think are dead set locks to be here don't necessarily know that they have as much drama heading into this offseason as to what position they're going to play but uh, I think we're going to jump into those and then also some other guys that I I don't think are going to be here.
1: Oh, that's my cue. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) We're going to coming up after the break. We're going to talk about, uh, couple more guys that are locks. We're going to talk about some guys that are on the bubble. And as Jeff mentioned, we're going to talk about the guys that were ready to get a one way bus ticket out of Cincinnati. Uh, but before we talk about those guys, we're going to talk about Bet Online because Bet Online has some interesting statistics uh, about the uh, underdogs in the upcoming playoff series. Uh, the Phillies at plus 165 the Mariners at plus 195, the Guardians at plus 180, and the Padres at plus 198. These are some interesting statistics because I think that the Padres showed us a whole lot in their series against the Mets, and them at plus 198 is is interesting. Uh, The Guardians continue to be disrespected and are not uh, not valued uh, as being able to win their series. I think they're a pretty good bet. The Cincinnati West Mariners are at plus 195. And, you know, I know a lot of Reds fans are pulling for these guys because, you know, there's so many Reds on that team. And then you've got the Phillies uh, with Nick Castellanos at plus 165. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm going to take a little bit of, of cash and spread it around amongst all of these guys and, and maybe get lucky on a couple. And if I get lucky on a couple, I'm going to come out ahead. But if you want to find out about the odds, if you want to figure out where you should be spreading your betting dollars around to, head over to betonline.net right now because betonline.net is your number one source for football, for baseball, for all of the sports betting information this season. You can find the latest on player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game that you can imagine. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport. Out there, The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including the MLB, the MMA, boxing, the NFL, and even golf. I got to go check that out, Jeff. I got to find out about betting on golf. I, I need to see what that looks like. Uh, but if, if you're already doing that, drop us something in the comments. Tell me how you... Pick who you pick. I would love to learn more about betting on golf. Head to betonline.net right now on your computer or mobile device to learn more about all of the props, lines, and action because Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, coming up tomorrow, we're going to continue to break down who stays and who goes, and that's with the pitching staff. And that is going to actually be a pretty difficult proposition about who stays, who goes, and who we believe the Reds will actually cut ties with. That's going to be a very fun conversation. I'm kind of looking forward to that one. Uh, But before we get to the pitching, we've got to continue to work our way through a lengthy list of infielders, Jeff. And let's jump right in with the man that you and I both think is going to be the comeback player of the year in 2023, that is probably for one last ride with the Cincinnati Reds, Joseph Daniel Votto. Uh, and let's let's not get bogged down on it being his last year just yet. There's going to be plenty of time for that. But I do believe that he is motivated. And I do believe that when motivated, Joey Votto shows up, that's going to be a sight to see. And I really do truly believe he could be a candidate for comeback player of the year.
0: It floored me whenever it came out that he had been managing that injury for seven years and i'm like man, he still had some really good years in there should have been mvp in 2017 should have i mean he was absolutely killing it in 2021 and that kind of at least lends some uh you know uh not foresight um hindsight that's the word couldn't think about hindsight as to Why 2018 through 2020 was such a struggle because I'm sure he was trying to work around that injury while also working with just the decline phase of his years in baseball. And so then he was able to find a new way in 2021 and it probably just aggravated that injury even more. So what does a fully healthy Joey Votto, albeit at 39 years old, look like next year. I think he's got a real shot to be comeback player of the year because he's going to be able to find his stroke a lot quicker. That was something that has always been a thing with Joey, right? He has a slow start to the year, but then he just takes off. I think that he is going to absolutely set the world on fire next year. Now that is all being said that it's going to be within a certain role. So we both agree that Joey Votto playing every day is probably not what's best for the reds, probably not what's best for Joey Votto now
1: little asterisk on this maybe not playing first base every day. I think how you handle Joey depends on how you handle Tyler Stevenson. And if, if Joey's truly on a comeback player of the year pace and let's not forget that the shift is going away also. So Joey's going to have more opportunity to have success. So if he can still go out there against left-handed pitching and do damage, maybe you give him some more days in that designated hitter role and you allow Tyler Stevenson to get more time at first base. Uh, You kind of protect everybody. Everybody's happy. Everybody's in the lineup. And and you move forward from there. I do think they need to manage uh, the workload on Joey. You know, Joey is not a young man anymore. He's coming off this injury, and even if he is rip or tearing it up, I still think you got to keep him from wearing down before August. So, with that in mind, yeah, load management, load management, exactly. So for me, I think that uh, there's still a potential. For Joey to play against left-handed pitching it depends on what his numbers look like but it doesn't necessarily have to all come with him at first base
0: and also that's the other part of this equation too right is you can only platoon if there's someone to platoon with. Like if the Reds don't go out and make any kind of moves, if they don't bring back Donovan Solano, and if they lean on, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, if they lean on one of the catchers that they use this year as their backup catcher, then that makes the whole Tyler Stevenson equation a little bit more difficult and which makes the Joey Votto platooning situation a little bit more uh, unfeasible, really, because you've got to have talent you can't just take a guy out to replace him with either a replacement level or below replacement level player
1: oh absolutely and you know jeff we're gonna fast run out of time in this episode on the infielder so let's just let's knock a couple names off this list so that people we know are going to be back spencer steer he's going to be back Back. he's going to be on the active roster not sure where he's going to play he could be another guy that scoots around but he's definitely going to be part of this team in 2023
0: yep he's going to be back um i think Outside of a trade that we just don't see coming, Kyle Farmer is going to be back. Uh, he's probably going to be that, you know, the veteran presence. I mean, the obvious locker room leader of this team. Uh, whether he plays shortstop or third base is kind of an interesting question, but I think that the Reds are happy with his production and at his projected arbitration salary of 5.6 mil.
1: That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Do you think the, you know, what is it, 5.9 million, his projected? Uh, yeah, maybe
0: 5.9. 5. 5.9, 5, 5. somewhere place, in that
1: neighborhood. Yeah. So let's just call it $6 million, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, at $6 million, do they do they pick him up, or do they, do they gamble again, which they've done this in the past with him, do they gamble with non-tender and then go out and seek a deal with him for less money? What, what, what's your prediction there? I, I think they're just going to sign him because of all of the the fan favoriteness that surrounds him, thanks to Barry, and give him an extension and put a C on his chest and, and all those things. You
0: know, don't put a C on his chest. But I think that this just goes with what we have always said, is that the Reds value him far more than any other team values him. If they non-tender him, there is a chance they could bring him back on a lower deal, but I think the Reds are so worried that that won't happen that they will sign him. He will be the $6 million man.
1: All right, let's hit this, uh, let's hit this catcher situation. So, uh, catchers on the active roster, uh, Armas Garcia, Austin Romine, Chucky Robinson, obviously Tyler Stevenson, we already said, is going to be here. I'm going right. to say right now, Chucky Robinson goes back to the minor leagues. He's now, because of the time that he got this year, actually a valuable guy to keep around in Triple A when you mm-hmm. have an injury, if you need a guy to come up and, and catch a couple games. Chucky is now very valuable. I think yeah. Austin Romine hits the road, Jeff. I think that he's yeah. going to go sign a deal someplace else. I don't think the Reds are going to pay to keep him around, especially when they could just pick up, uh, aramis garcia and eight hundred thousand dollar arbitration value uh, have him around as the backup catcher uh, for at least another season while you hopefully are waiting for one of matt nelson or daniel Veoheen to join the active roster
0: i do think that's the most likely situation here i would love to say that the reds are going to go out and bring back tucker barnhart but that all depends on the number for Tucker Barnhart and I don't think the Reds are going to give him the number that he's looking for. And plus the Reds did a thing and they kind of tipped their hand on RMS Garcia and that they brought him back for the final game and a half of the season. Like he didn't even really play in the second to last game but he was active on the roster. And then in the final game of the year whenever they're getting just shelled by the Cubs, he comes in and not only does he come into the game late, he comes in and he plays first base. Like I think that we're talking about an Armas Garcia that is going to be on this roster and not just simply asked to play catcher, although I don't know what sort of value he brings as a backup first baseman. But overall, I think that the Reds tip their hand. They're going to bring him back. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, Jeff, we've kind of uh, drifted
1: through all of the guys that we are for sure on. And we're yep. now in the territory of guys that are on the bubble and we're heading towards the conversation that's going to be difficult of people that we are going to let go. So uh, where do you want to uh, progress to from here?
0: Let's start with a guy that I think I, I, I got a feeling at least. OK, I know what the Reds should do with Mike Moustakis. We're going to talk about what they're probably going to do uh, coming up with uh, him. And also, I would love to talk about Alejo Lopez as well. That's coming up right after this. Before we do that, though, I want to let you know that you can follow us on Twitter. In between episodes, we love to talk baseball on Twitter and talk some other things. We're Bengals fans as well. Steve likes them Buckeyes, and I like the Bearcats, but all that great stuff in oh Star H. Wars abound. Um, you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs, and you can follow the show at locked on reds all right steve let's jump into this because i think no one disagrees with the premise that the reds should sign or write a check to mike moustakas for his remaining contract and say see you later that would be 20 million dollars because that's 16 million this year 4 million dollar buyout so it's 20 million dollars that's really a sunk cost at this point so are they going to keep him on the roster because of that yes Okay.
1: At the beginning of the season, uh, here's the way I see this playing out. Mike Moustakis makes this team out of spring training just for the sheer contract dollars mm-hmm. that, are on the, that are on the table here. Uh, what we'll see, though, is not much of Mike Moustakis in the field at all. Uh, they'll run him out there as a designated hitter against right-handed pitching, and hopefully he shows something. Uh, what I see is if he shows enough that you can get a team to maybe take him and the Reds pay half of his contract, Great. Uh, If if he's terrible and can't perform, they'll keep him around until such a time is that they need that roster spot. Uh, If they reach a point where the youngsters are progressing through the system and they need to free up space, then and only then will uh, the Castellini ownership group, I think, be willing to just write that check and say, bye bye, let's get the youth in here and maybe it'll put some butts in the seats. I think uh, I think that's the thought process that they'll have going into next year.
0: Which that's true because people like to invoke the scenario of Matt Kemp that the Reds signed him a check to go walk, but people forget he actually played a couple of games. You now He was bad, and that's probably what they thought back then. They say, okay, well, maybe he can catch fire. We can train him for you know a lottery ticket of a prospect. Probably they'll do the same thing with Mike Moustakas. I kind of believe that they shouldn't even really enter camp with him, and they should just have that roster spot open, but you're right. I mean, this is Cincinnati, or this is the Cincinnati Reds here, and ownership doesn't pay people to not play for them. Exactly. I
1: mean, I agree with you. That's what should happen, but it's not what's going to happen.
0: And it sucks because whenever he was signed, we thought, man, Moose, yes, this is going to be awesome. And ever since he has signed, he's just not been awesome. So let's talk about real fast as well a guy who I think showed flashes of awesomeness, albeit in a certain way a guy who we're not sure is going to be on this roster, but has an argument to be on the roster. Unlike Mike Moustakas, that's Alejo Lopez. Oh, you know, I'm a fan of Alejo Lopez. Listen, I think he showed
1: uh, more than enough to be part of this team heading into 2023. Now, some of, his value is in that he plays multiple positions. And if Nick Senzel is in fact the super utility, I think that is bad news for Aleo Lopez. Uh, what I do like about Aleo Lopez is that he is a true switch hitter. Uh, there's not much drop off in his numbers, right side versus left sided. He, he makes contact from both sides of the plate. That is valuable to have on the bench mm-hmm. because you can go up there and get a slap hit, get him on, get him over, get him in. Uh, I, I like having him around. So, uh, with that being said, uh, I think he makes this team, um, you know, his playing time may be impacted by what they do with other guys, but I think at this point he showed enough value that, that he's going to stick with the big league roster right out of the gate, uh, opening day, 2023.
0: I definitely think that there's four infielders that get playing time over him. So yeah, he's, he's not going to play a ton, but I think you're right now. I think there's, there's a caveat to that though the reason that he makes the roster is if Matt Reynolds doesn't because if Matt Reynolds makes the roster, Alejo Lopez isn't making this roster. They're both the same player. Uh, Matt Reynolds has a little bit more power. Alejo Lopez has a little bit more contact. Um, but ultimately we're talking about the same guy here because they're both fine utility players. In fact, I might kind of like Alejo Lopez bat a little bit more. I feel like Matt Reynolds was, you know, at least to the plate, he disappeared for long periods of time during the season. Um, so, but I think that that will be the Reds telling us like whenever they go to make moves, whenever we're talking about forty man roster time, which of course we're going to have some episodes where we talk about this specifically as far as guys who are being non tendered, so that that uh, uh, prospects who need to be protected from the Rule Five Draft can be added to the forty man roster. If at that point the Reds get get rid of Matt Reynolds. They're keeping Alejo Lopez, but vice versa means Alejo Lopez isn't on the big league roster. So Matt Reynolds' contract is interesting. If I've got this right, Jeff, he's still under
1: team control, but he's out of options. Is that correct? Because we picked him up when he was released by the New York Mets because they couldn't send him down. Is is that a correct read on his contract situation?
0: Right. That, that is the correct read, but that's, that's, again, that's going to come into play with the rule five draft and the 40 man roster because Mm -hmm. they've got a lot of guys they need to add.
1: So one of the things with Matt Reynolds is, you know, whether or not we believe that Jose Barrero and his experiment is over as well, because that's another spot. And I, I'm going to say that. I think we've seen enough of Jose Barrero to know that he is not the guy we thought he was. And whether that's just because of the injuries or because of the Reds bringing him up a little too soon during that wonky COVID season, whatever we think happened to Jose Barrero, the fact of the matter is he has now been given a pretty significant sample size of opportunity and he has not taken advantage of
0: it. So with, with the talent moving up, I think he's in trouble. And with, and you know, me being a former Jose Barrero truther, the argument to this is, well, was it fair? That's not the point here. We know what we've seen, whether or not it's fair is not the issue. Of course the reds didn't treat him very fairly. They called him up at a time when he was struggling to see the ball at all in triple a. And they called him up to the major league level and said, sink or swim, kid. It's like, you know, calling up a, or you're like trying to sail on a boat. That's full of holes, like just not going to work. So at the end of the day, The chance that he got, he squandered. And I think at this point, he's going to start the year in AAA. I believe he has options. Um, He's going to start the year in AAA. And if he just sets the AAA world on fire, we might see him back. But we're not talking about this being his job to lose. This is going to be his job to earn. And he's got to earn it so much that I just don't think he's going to at this point.
1: Yeah, and you have to remember also you send him down to triple A to earn it, but he's gonna be directly competing with Ellie de la Cruz and Matt McClain at the triple A level when the season starts. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. So yeah, he's gonna go know, from not only up, is he gonna struggle, he's gonna have to fight for playing time at triple A. So yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting.
0: Yeah, he's gonna go there's from looking guy, over his shoulder to looking it in the eye. <laughs>
1: yeah. There's there's one guy we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Jeff and let's just hit on it real quick. And that is Donovan Solano. Look, uh, I think that he delivered a tremendous season for the reds. He played well. Mm -hmm. I think he's very valuable. I think he's good. Uh, He said all the right things about mentoring the young guys. Great dude. Would love to keep him around. He's going to cost too much money. I think that he's going to go sign a deal. You know, he, he played at replacement level for the reds. Uh, with an injury-shortened season, he's going to go out and sign a deal where he can be a starter somewhere. That's what I think, and I don't think that he can be a starter on this team. Uh, He wants to play, he wants to win, uh, and he's going to look elsewhere to do that.
0: I don't even know that I look at it as money. I think it's just smart baseball sense for Donovan Solano. Like I I love what he did. I'm not saying I don't want him to be a red, but I think for him personally, the best thing for him to do is to go find a contender that wants to play him either in an everyday role or that platoon role like the Giants had him in as a lefty pitching specialist slash yeah, he can play a couple of different spots for you and things like that. He showed he has value and, and it would be nice if he were a red next year, but I believe that he himself is not going to choose like even if the reds were the highest bidder in this case i think he chooses a contender over the reds and he would be right to do that
1: oh yeah absolutely 100% agree with that jeff i think that wow we just we did the whole list jeff look at that we squeezed it somehow got through (laughs) listen i know that was a very quick uh quick run through on these players folks and appreciate you listening. Here's what's going to happen moving forward. As we get deeper into this off season, we're going to take each of these guys that we think are going to be around And an episode at a time, spend most of an episode talking about what they did, what we think they're going to do in the future, what we project their role to look like. Uh, And we're going to do that with most of the players that we think will be on the active roster for 2023. So don't despair. We'll have a lot more in-depth coverage of each of these guys coming your way all throughout the offseason. And Jeff, that is probably a good spot to put a pin in it for today.
0: Yep, I agree, Steve. That'll do it for us on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for making us your first listen, as you always do. Now go make your second listen to the Locked On MLB podcast as Paul Francis Sullivan has you covered with his unique perspective, his humor, his passion for the game of baseball as we move through the postseason. Because Locked On MLB is just like Locked On Reds, it's free and available on all platforms platforms. And coming up tomorrow, like Steve said earlier, we're going to talk about who's staying in the pitching staff a little bit easier on the starting rotation. Not so easy in the bullpen because there's a lot of open spots there and we're going to dive into why on tomorrow's episode. Thanks again for uh, listening. Steve, there's lots going on. There's guys that are staying. There's guys that are going. There might be some new guys. We'll we'll have to see about that. But what's that mean for you and me? That means you and I are going to continue to dig
1: through this roster, try and make it make sense, and bring that information to everybody listening because Jeff and I are locked on Reds every single day.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.